If your restaurant has slow bathroom drains and grease blockages, call Superior Plumbing and Pipelining. Superior Plumbing and Pipelining's high-pressure sewer jetting and camera inspection of the drains will assure your peace of mind at your restaurant. Request a free estimate at superiorplumbingjacks.com. This is Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 and ESPN690.com. I get everybody missed sports during the pandemic, uh, which still exists. But some people said we need sports during the pandemic, and that was something that I kind of disagreed with. I'm not sure we needed it. I think there were other things to do and other outlets to get through. Coming off this weekend and the last week of activities and events, maybe we do need sports now uh, because sports uh, unifies perhaps more than anything in our society, in our country uh, today and has been. And maybe it's always been the case. Probably not, really. You probably have to go back uh, to from the early 70s on or or maybe it was in the late 60s on. Uh, but certainly today, in today's world of sports, it, it unifies and uh, knows really no difference between uh, race, uh, shapes and sizers, sizes and, and everything else. Maybe Richard Sherman putting it best. His quote today, I'm impressed with the white quarterback speaking up because those are voices that carry different weight than the black voices for some people, which means the people who refuse to listen to a black athlete's perspective will hear the same thing said from a white athlete but receive the message much differently. So it's awesome that more people are speaking out because in sports, you really have a love and appreciation for your fellow man regardless of race. And I think that's what makes sports and teams so special because a lot of the stereotypes are torn down. You really get to know one another, not judge based off nonsense. Brent Morton, Austin Lane, Coos along on a Monday. Hope you and your family are doing well uh, during the pandemic and during, uh, obviously, now a, a country that's in protest in part. Uh, hope uh, your weekend was good. You're yeah. going to tell us a little bit about the protesting that happened this weekend in Jacksonville. You left the show on Friday and delivered a very eloquent and well-said message uh, at that time. A lot has transpired since that message and time here on Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 around 545 on Friday evening. And so uh, we discuss further because uh, I think sports figures have made this a topic of sport in, in a sense. I think sports uh, can heal or at least be part of the process, but also spark discussion, um, sometimes debate, but uh, in this uh conversation i think discussion is more important uh, than debate so it will be a conversation today it won't be the entire show but i think uh, hey it's what's happening I mean, we we don't have a lot of ball games yeah uh, brad keselowski won a nascar race yesterday uh we can talk about uh, golf on the verge of coming back major league baseball with uh, another um proposal at least from the players uh, back at the owners will that lead to anything and we will talk about those things i talked to gardner Minshew's trainer uh he works with speed and strength with gardner Minshew down in naples and michael walker the jaguars wide receiver but obviously a little more prominent is gardner Minshew. we'll hear a little bit of that conversation and, and i think some interesting and fascinating things during my conversation you won't hear everything yeah but it's a wild time really to be a quarterback in the nfl maybe to be a quarterback anywhere from a coaching perspective may even ask the question are there too many coaches mm -hmm. you know in in some sports uh, in this sport of football and for certain players so we got a lot on the table today um for sure did you get some good tips from garner Minshew's trainer at all brent <laughs> well you know it's funny i, I said to him at, at one time i said hey just uh, when we're done basically with the interview part i just said for background information what's like a, a work like a speed workout like yeah, what, yeah. what are you even talking about you know and so he, he was explaining it to it it's, it's very uh 
it's very like inside training, you know, like you would probably know it, but yeah. like he's talking about shin angles and oh, hit, yeah. uh, like leading with hips instead of quads. Dorsey and, flex, all that oh, stuff. Yeah. Man. So Come and, on. But stuff was like, okay, I don't need that. <laughs> I don't need that. But I did tell him, I was like, hey, this isn't for selfish purposes here. I don't care about getting faster right now. Uh, <laughs> but it is interesting when you think of speed and strength and, and I'll share a little bit of it right now. He has a posture coach. Gardner Minshew. Gardner Minshew does. I learned uh, wow. this weekend talking to his his trainer. Yeah. And he is a posture coach. Like, what does that even mean? Sure. And so uh, we discussed a little bit of that. I can't uh, wait to hear that. As well. So that's coming up. But uh, And we're going to dive into this topic from a bunch of different angles. But, you know, kind of to, to get us going here, mm-hmm. uh, on, on a Monday, where do you sit on everything that's transpired over the last oh, 48 to 72 hours after – you know, discussing it a little bit with the audience on Friday afternoon. Yeah. Um, I mean, just kind of want the whole rundown of my weekend then, I guess. Well, sure. From there. Yeah, us, yeah, yeah. So, you know, I mean, obviously, I reached out to you Friday afternoon about, hey, I want to comment a little bit um, on some things that are transpiring in Minnesota. And then obviously, you being you, um, you were cool with it. And, you know, I kind of told Coos because, I mean, I, I don't remember, like, yeah, I have my opinions and everything, and I'm going to say what I'm going to say, but... We're, we're both a, we're family here, right? So anything I say, you guys are held accountable as well. So I just, you know, I made sure it was cool with everybody. It was cool with everybody. Um, I, I addressed the George Floyd things a little bit. Um, after that aired, then and after I shared it pretty much on later that night, um, you know, I got a lot of feedback, and I would probably say 80 to 90 percent of it was super positive. Um, my mom even texted me, said it's probably the, one of the most proudest moments of her life, which means my career um, as a professional athlete doesn't really didn't really amount to anything. I mean, I only had three sacks in Jacksonville. Hey, mom, one of sacks was I, only a big had, one. I only had three sacks. I mean, I, I knocked Jay Cutler's <laughs> helmet off. I tackled. Uh, I mean, I sacked Andrew Luck on Thursday Night Football when I was a captain. But no, I'm just messing around, man. But all things considered, um, she was really proud of me. And, you know, at the end of the day, that's really all I cared about. So um, I saw the outreach of support. And I had a few a few people ask me like, "Hey, you should come out and help us protest and everything, and and kind of do your part." And um, I plan on doing it regardless. But you know, that was just extra motivation for me because, in my opinion, it's one thing to come on our show and talk about it, and it's another thing to completely go out there and um, do it. You know, I mean, actions obviously speak louder than words. So I got out there Saturday, probably around four o'clock, four fifteen, and it was right around when um, they were in front of like the, the sheriff's building, I guess it would be, you know, on Bay Street, okay, and yeah. th- th- they started to walk down the street. Um, and I just literally, I kind of parked my car about five blocks away from the sheriff's um, office or sheriff's building on Bay Street, and I just kind of just jumped right in, you know, and um, wasn't worried about, like, covering up my tattoos or anything like that, because I, I wasn't, listen, I, I wasn't going there to cause a ruckus. I wasn't going there to cause a scene. I was going there to um, voice my concerns, voice my displeasures, and obviously I have a pretty loud voice, as people tell me all the time when they hear me on the radio, so I was going to use that voice um, to, you know, just kind of speak my mind a little bit so i got with the chance and everything um you know i walked with the people down the street and i'll be honest you know so, i mean overall i'd probably say 80 percent to 90 percent of things being chanted it was super positive you know that there was the there was the outliers who um i think were trying to you know entice a little bit more violent kind of demeanor and then i didn't chant with that simple as that you know and a lot of people around me didn't chant with that i mean that's that's their opinion i had my opinion and overall it was great and when I say it was great, I mean, we're walking down Bay Street. There was people on the sidewalks with bottled waters, uh, cold towels, because um, it was hot there. 
You know, I mean, I had a sleeveless shirt on. Cause like I said, I wasn't worried about showing off my tattoos at all. You know me, dude. I had a sleeveless shirt on because I sweat a lot. Um, I, I did wear like a, just a, a like a bandana over my mouth, not to once again cover my face, but just to be respectful uh, with COVID-19. Didn't want to make people feel uncomfortable, so I, I had just you know a, a bandana on my mouth as well. And yeah, overall it was good. Like I said, there's people uh, handing out waters. There's people handing out hand sanitizer. People handing out masks. I mean, everyone was kind of doing their part. There was people actually that had you know what sages. Like when you burn sage, it's supposed to like kind of get out the bad impurities. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There was even people burning sage, man, that were saying prayers to everybody if they wanted to hear it. I mean, there was something literally for everybody. So it was a really cool uh, scene to be a part of. Um, we go to the courthouse and everything. A bunch of people jumped on the steps. And, and I'll be honest, I mean, there was a, there was a, a lot of passionate, not only young individuals, but also older individuals. And when I say individuals, I mean black white asian um any any race you can think of was there uh it, it was a melting pot and once again that was really cool to see as well um so they're chanting you know on the on the steps and everything of the courthouse and i'll be honest i mean I, a part of me was a little worried like listen i don't want this to get out of control someone throw a brick through a window at the courthouse because it's all glass windows man and it's a fairly new building and i don't want to see that and you know what that never happened you know i mean i think one or two people maybe threw a bottle or something like at the courthouse didn't do any damage at all so all things considered, um, it was very peaceful. Um, and once again, it was just, it was chance for obviously George Floyd, Jamie Johnson, who was a, a FAMU student here, um, who, you know, he just unfortunately he lost his life due to a traffic stop. They haven't released the, the, the body cam footage yet, so that no one really knows what happens, you know. So the family right now of Jamie Johnson is obviously extremely frustrated because that's probably the most frustrating part, right? It's the unknown. And right now they don't know what happened. Um, to their son. So there, there was, you know, people voicing out their concerns for him, obviously the Black Lives Movement. So, um, everybody on the same page, everybody just, you know, chanting and protesting and everything. And then we, we went down through, uh, Hemming Park, it would have been, and that's where I kind of, and I tweeted this out today, that's where in the park there was probably, I would say, three or four, um, of just, I don't want to call them volunteers, I don't know if they're protesters, but there were just three or four people, and once again, it was, it was a white dude rocking a polo shirt and another white dude rocking a dress shirt, I'm like, you guys are rocking the wrong gear right now, it's way too hot for this, but they're on top of these park benches holding up giant trash bags, and said, if you have water bottles, please disperse of them in here, you know, don't trash the park, and everybody did it. You know, and and everybody who was obviously um, upset and, you know, protesting took the time to say, hey, thanks for holding these trash bags for us. We don't litter. I mean, like, that was just a little thing that I obviously noticed on my way. When we got to, um, I believe it would have been, so let me think now, because once again, I'm, I live in Jackson, but I'm super bad when it comes to, like, the, the streets and everything like that. But um, basically, it was, like, a couple streets back, so I think it would have been... Is, what's the one that goes like past like the train? Oh, I'm sorry, like the Greyhound bus station. Is that Coos? We're looking for a little help. Coos, you got anything for me? Uh. Oh yeah, dude. I'm I'm the absolute. But we worst. get where you're talking. Yeah. About. So fine. so like it was like the street that um goes. I can look at a map real quick and I can tell where we were. But um, it was like the street basically that goes uh where, where the Greyhound bus station is. So we're protesting during there. Union Street? Union Street. Thank yeah, you very yeah. much. Union Street. Yeah, there it is. So we're on Union Street and now keep in mind, I mean there's thousands and thousands upon people protesting and we're protesting in the, in the middle of the street. So cars are stopped, you know? And I'll be honest, man, if I was one of those cars I had to get someplace, I'd be frustrated. 
Okay, like there's a you know there's a protest going on, and maybe those people should have known, obviously living in Jacksonville, but they didn't, and they were stuck in the middle of the protest. And I would say, uh, uh, I mean, almost all those people that were stuck in the middle of the protest on Union Street got out of their cars, were honking their horns, or playing music, and they were encouraging everybody, right? I mean, they're hey, you guys are doing a great job, you know, thanks for your support, all that stuff. Just because once again. It was hot as hell out there, man. It was okay? hot. And, and people were, were expelling a lot of energy. There's a lot of passion coming from the old and young just alike. So everyone you know, on Union Street was supporting. Once again, if people had actually water bottles in their cars, they would run it out to people that were protesting. I mean, it was just it was a really cool scene to see. Um, you took Union Street to, I guess, what would be like the, like the Main Street and the Main Street Bridge. And this is where I, I said things kind of got a little dicey. Um, we're, we're on Main Street, and there was two ways to go. A group of protesters went kind of on the Main Street Bridge, and the other group of protesters wanted to go back to, like, the sheriff's building again, right? So but back on Bay Street. So really, like, on, on like the intersection of Bay, I guess it would be, like, the Main Street Bridge. We stop in the middle of kind of the Main Street Bridge to kind of talk about And once again, I'm not talking. I'm just kind of going with the group. I'm not organizing anything. I'm just there um, with my voice. I'm not trying to be a leader or anything like that. I wasn't even trying to be a member of the media. I was just trying to do my part to make sure everyone stays safe and people get hurt. So... A bunch of people went on the bridge, and a bunch of people kind of went towards Bay Street more. And that, to me, is when the problem started because as we stopped and people were discussing, well, there's cars on the Main Street Bridge on the intersection to turn off to Bay, right? So now, once again, most of those cars that were stopped in the middle of the protest were cool, and they were encouraging. There's probably three or four cars that were on, like, that intersection that gets that turns to Bay that were upset, Okay, that were maybe scared, maybe they had kids, maybe they just didn't know what was going on. Okay, I mean, I'll be honest. If you if you see, you know, a group of 20, 30, 40, 50 people coming towards their car, maybe you get a little nervous. You know, I understand everyone feels a little differently about that. So those people decided that they would turn around on the one way, and now you have people going in the opposite direction where the bridge is supposed to go mm. on the one way, and that's, I think, where the problems actually started. Okay. So once that happened, you could kind of see like the cops get a little more aggressive of how they wanted things to go. Okay. So when that happened, um, the majority of the people chose to go on Bay Street while a bunch of actually the leaders and the, the protest leaders chose to go back to the bridge. So as you're walking down Bay Street, well, now cops started to make themselves known a little more. And keep in mind, the whole time that we were walking, uh, you know, on Union Street to the courthouse to the park, there was zero cop presence and everything was fine. Now, unfortunately, like I said, when the cars turned around on the bridge and everything, I think that's where it escalated, where the cops felt like they had to intervene. So when the cops started to intervene now, you could tell that they wanted to kind of get the the protest to go in one direction. It wasn't like, you guys can't split out, you guys can't go, this is, they wanted to have like a uniform, keep it orderly. Keep it yeah. orderly. And unfortunately, when you know they would get like on their horns and stuff, and then in their cop cars, that rubbed some people the wrong way. Now, when I say some people, I'm being realistic, maybe 10 to 20 people felt like that was the wrong thing to do. And when that happened, um, you know, the, the, the younger protesters who were obviously ticked off and didn't want to be told what to do, start jumping on the cop cars. And that's where you see all these videos and everything come in of, of the, the kids jumping on cop cars, kicking the windshields. Those cops pulled out. And then all of a sudden when they came back, you know, it was like a hundred fold. Now, I will say this. There was about two cop cars that were in the middle of Bay Street that didn't really take off right away. And the cops got out of the car, and they just literally surrounded their cars because I guess they didn't want anybody to trash it. And there was about probably 50 protesters surrounding those maybe eight or nine policemen um, around that car. And I'll be honest, if I was a policeman in that situation, I'd be nervous, okay? Like any time, regardless of skin color, regardless of whatever it was, any time that you uh, 
you get surrounded by that many people, it can be intimidating, especially when those people are yelling at you. So, and like I'm keeping in mind too, I know a bunch of the police officers on JSO, right? Heck, I played with one of them, you know, Ernest yeah. Wilford. Like, I was like, man, what happens if I see Ernest Wilford out here? Like, well, what am I, like, I'm, I'm obviously going to help him out whatever he needs, but like, I was just trying to get my mind right where it's like, listen, I'm not going to do anything stupid. I'm going to voice my concerns. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use my voice, but I'm not going to do anything violent. There's no way that's going to happen. So once it started to escalate him a little more, well, then, man, I had to step back because I, I can't be a part of it. You know, I, I can't be a part of, of sucker-punching policemen or anything like that. Not to say I really saw any of that, but I just didn't want it to escalate to that. So as it kept on escalating, escalating, one of the cops came back, and that's when you started to see, like, the, the pepper um, spray and everything, yeah, yeah. and then, and then uh, the flashbangs. And I had no problem at a distance, just making sure everything was cool. Um, I tried to calm some like the younger people down a little bit because there was, a, like I said, a lot of passionate individuals out there. And I was just trying to tell them, like, listen, if, if you go do something stupid, you get locked up, you're not helping anybody. Like, we, we need you. We, we need your enthusiasm. We need your passion. Like, just stay here. Just stay here from a distance. Don't do anything stupid. You can go up there. If you go up there, don't do anything stupid. Well, unfortunately, there's some dumb things that were done, and, and you, you heard the reports and everything. And uh, you heard what happened. Um, so I guess close up what I went through then or is what I saw. And I don't know if it's really too much information or not, but I'll just I'll, I'll share it because I'm pretty transparent um, of what I see. And I'm pretty transparent of how I feel about things. There's a lot of kids there. OK. And when you say kids, like when teenagers, I say kids, no, I mean, kids. no, there's there's teenagers for sure. But there was I mean, I would probably put them at seven, eight, nine years old okay. that, that, that were holding signs. And listen, I, I'm all for that. I told my son that he, he can stay. My son asked where I was going. I'm like, I'm going to hang out with some friends. You know, we're, we're, we're going to march. Don't worry about it because he didn't understand. Yeah, yeah. And I feel like if he doesn't understand, he's got no right to be over there. I want him to make his own decisions. He doesn't know what's going on. So, hey, dude, stay at home, man. Watch cartoons. I got it for the both of us. All right. No problem. But there were some like seven or eight year olds that were out there holding the signs. And I, I appreciate it, man. I appreciate it because they all made their own signs. And that's really cool. But then when stuff started to hit the fan, if you will, um, they were still out there. So, for instance, there was a flashbang that went off probably, I would say, realistically five yards away from me. Messed up my left eardrum a little bit. Wasn't wearing earplugs because I'm an idiot. Should have wore earplugs. And you know how bad my hearing is. So, immediately, I hear the flashbang go off. I'm like, oh, that's not going to be good for me. So, like, my left ear is ringing, and I look to my side, and there's two kids standing next to me. And I don't see a parent. I'm like, oh. So, unfortunately, and I regret doing this, but I yelled at him. I'm like, you guys got to get back. Like, don't, there, there's just no place you're in. I'm like, I'm, I'm yelling at these kids, you know? And keep in mind, I'm a bigger dude, right? Yeah, and, well, and I'm wearing a bandana around my mouth, right? And my dreads are down. So, like, the, and it was two girls. Uh, they immediately got, one started crying. The old one started crying. I was like, that wasn't smart, Austin. My bad. I was panicking, too, okay? I'll be honest. So, I quick kind of escorted them, you know, down the street a little bit, behind an alley, and I tried to find their parent. Eventually, we found their parent. Their parent was helping out somebody else who was on the front line, and it was just a big ordeal, right? So, I just kind of, once again, I'm not going to judge anybody by their parenting techniques, but I kind of scolded the parent, like, listen, you, you can't leave your kids here, okay? Because someone maybe not as nice as me is going to get a whole, it just, it, anything can happen, right? So, the parent went to go back to the kids. I saw that was fine. And then by the time I left, I mean, it was just there was a lot of smoke going off um, and there was a lot of, you know, uh, like the, the, the grenades and everything, not the like, real grenades, but obviously uh, the flashbangs. And then there was a lot of violence going on, man. I mean, I'll be honest with you. And then uh, I went back down to Bay Street. And once again, not a good plan on my part. It's probably now 745 to almost 8 o'clock. And I'm parked in by about 10 policemen <laughs> because, I mean, Bay Street is completely covered yeah, yeah. with, um, you know, cops wearing like the, the riot gear and everything. I mean, there's 
trucks, there's everything, man. So realistically, I, I mean, there's probably like a hundred some cop cars and other, um, you know, police personnel on Bay Street. And my car is like in the middle of everything. I'm like, well, I'm not going anywhere, you know? So now I'm away from everything that's going on. Uh, I'm kind of behind the, the, the cop lines a little bit by my car, you know, and I'm so it's again, I'm still wearing my bandana on my, uh, my face. I mean, I'm, I'm a tall dude. I, I know I stick out on everything, but the, the cops were cool with me. And then I kind of explained like, Hey, um, you know, I was here for the peaceful part of the protest. I want nothing to do with the violence and everything. I tried to help out as much as I could, but it escalated to the point where I can't do anything more. And they actually made a, a path for me to, to get out. And they uh, kind of like drive on the grass a little bit. I'm like, dude, I don't want to drive on the glass, grass, and then I get arrested or anything. He's like, no, you're fine. And I just told him I'll be safe because that's, that's what I really meant. Um, I told him to be safe, and I got home probably like around 8.45 or so, gave my family a hug, and then I just kind of watched it transpire on TV and on the Internet. So. Yeah, uh, wow. I did not realize uh, you had been through uh, all of that on uh, Saturday yeah. well, and, and took part in that. Uh, was it what you expected? Oh, go ahead. And yeah, well, finish, and, and, and yeah, here's the thing, too. Um, was it what, uh, what I expected? Yes and no. I mean, like, uh, I expected to see a lot, of, a lot of police officers there, and, and I expected to see some windows getting broken, all that stuff. I even expected, like, the, the loud explosions um, of the flashbangs. That didn't really bother me at all, but just what, what kind of bothered me, I guess, the most was 90, 98% of that protest their heart was in the right spot. Yeah, yeah. You know, it, it was the two percent who who was angry, who I couldn't relate to, uh, and I'm sure that the, the, they're for their own personal reasons, they're super upset with what's going on. I think we're all upset, but you could tell by the anger in their faces, you could tell by the passion in their eyes that they were extremely upset, right? And then they wanted to cause damage or try to, I guess, release some of that, um, you know, that anger and everything. So I wasn't really ready for that, you know. Um, so yeah, that, that kind of affected me a little bit, but. I was kind of in a weird position because I talked about it on the show on Friday. Then I'm like, well, do I like tweet videos and do I tweet pictures of everything going on? And like, I guess a part of me could have used that platform to kind of see what's going on. But I honestly, I didn't really want to be Austin Lane, former Jacksonville Drag War member of ESPN 690 Radio, member of you know the Cox Media Group or or Action Sports Jacks. I just wanted to be, um, you know, a guy who's essentially half black half white go out there and 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 set up for what was right and that's all i wanted you know so i didn't really try to use um yeah i guess my platform maybe like i should have i just tried to use my body my voice the the best that i could so i don't regret i guess doing that maybe i could have did more but i just uh, that's that's the way i felt at the time yeah well thanks for sharing the experience uh i'll have more questions about it also what athletes are doing to jump in this conversation is it the right thing how much do we need sports and sports figures uh to be a part of this conversation and uh, quite frankly how much do we have to stop the conversation and just do it yeah uh, we'll have more on that and this, and it's uh, obviously a dominating uh, conversation that has leaked into the sports world uh, to some degree. And we will talk some normal stuff, like, uh, I don't know if normal is the right word, but stuff that we talk about on a daily basis, which is football, which is Gardner Minshew, which is Major League Baseball, what's the latest in that situation. Uh, but we will spend some more time on this topic uh, as well, as it relates to sports. And as I started the show, if you missed it in the first minute, might need sports right now more than ever. Forget about the pandemic for a moment in terms of needing sports. That was more selfish. Might need it for unity and community more than ever uh, right about now. We'll be back. Action Sports Chats on ESPN 690. Being a celebrity, being an NBA player, don't exclude me from no conversation at all. First and foremost, I'm a black man, and I'm a member of this community, and I grew up on this soil. So it's a peaceful protest. We walked, and that's it. 
raising awareness of some of the injustice that we've been seeing is not okay. And as a young person, you gotta you gotta listen to our perspective. Our voices need to be heard. That is Jalen Brown, a Celtics player who joined in the protest uh, down in Atlanta, I think Kuz is saying. And uh, by the way, a relationship with former Jags player A.J. Boye, that's uh, their cousins. And uh, that's why you might have heard the name Jalen Brown before, even if you're not an NBA fan, but a good player for the Boston Celtics as well. We continue to see athletes join in uh, the protests um, across the country, and sometimes it may be physically joined in, sometimes helping clean up uh, from whether it's uh, a bit of the looting or some of the damage that's been done, uh, or also sharing their messages on uh, uh, Twitter and Instagram and, and Facebook and, and everything else. Uh, so a lot of voices in the athletic world uh, have, have jumped in this conversation, which is not unique. That's been happening for decades and decades in different ways. And uh, in a bit, uh, I will ask this question, is this time different? Uh, because I think it's worth asking. Uh, is this time different with what we're seeing with the conversations? Or 10 days from now, will it be in the past? Mm-hmm. Uh, like in the past, it seems like it's been uh, at times. So uh, we'll get into that. Also, Frank Reich, uh, the Indianapolis Colts head coach, uh, came out with a statement today. And uh, I, this is pretty powerful as well. Injustice, period. Few things through the human heart and soul like injustice. When we see it, feel it, experience it, it's heart-wrenching. It's not enough for a person who looks like me to say, I'm not a racist. This kind of talk and thinking typically lends itself to a posture of neutrality, indifference, passivity. It's easy to be silent and do nothing when it doesn't directly impact you. This attitude simply does not evoke any conviction about doing what is right and standing up for the inherently inherent dignity and rights of all people no matter the color of their skin i stand firmly behind the cult statement and in particular the phrase that says we have or racism racism is vile deplorable detestable there's no form of that that is acceptable and in no way can it be justified uh he later says he just felt compelled to make a statement and we're seeing a lot of that uh, around the nfl uh the nfl released a statement uh, coming up a little bit, we'll talk a little bit about Peyton Thompson, former Jags player, what he said about that statement and then what he later said about the Jacksonville Jaguars. How much do you think athletes uh, in general uh, should jump in this conversation? We've talked about it in the past a bit with LeBron James, yeah. uh, with Tiger Woods, uh, even Michael Jordan, who recently in the last dance got criticized a little bit for not jumping in conversation. He did come out with a statement yeah. in the last couple of days. Uh, how? Listen. Uh, I think we've talked a lot about it. We talk about it because it's our job to talk about Mm -hmm. sports. But I think sports in this whole pandemic, just the pandemic side of things, Mm -hmm. what we uh, this this unprecedented time will have played a bigger role in the stories of the pandemic than anybody would have said it would have. Mm -hmm. You say, yeah, it's a pandemic someday. Uh, People are really going to be talking about sports uh, being a part of it. People be like, yeah, right. No, sports will be a very memorable thing from this Mm -hmm. kind of the how everything hit the pause button. How kind of our whole world stopped a little bit. Well, that was in conjunction with the sports world stopping. And as it starts getting going again, yeah. sports will be a leader in that category. One of the motivations for getting it going and at least testing this out to see if we can we can get going. Sure, there are other things, by the way. There's businesses, restaurants, and but sports is a storyteller in that. And uh, it obviously is becoming a storyteller in this because of the sports figures involved. Mm-hmm. And as I've said a couple of times now in the show, I mean, uh, I agree with what Richard Sherman says. Uh, I think uh, other people have said it, too. But 
you've played in a locker room where uh, we talk about your defensive line room. You couldn't come up with eight (laughs) to ten different people, different walks of life, different backgrounds, different beliefs. Absolutely. You have to play in what's called the ultimate team game if we're just taking football as an example. So it's great that you bring that up because, yeah, the defensive line group that we had, I mean, like I said, I always say this all the time. We could have had our own reality TV show. And of all the locker rooms that I've been in, Brent, in the NFL especially, I mean, you want to talk about just – a hodgepodge, just like a, a mural of different beliefs, different upbringings um, from different areas of the world. And it's funny because we have, I guess, you know, people on the outside looking in, you know, maybe you see some of the media people, like they have this preconceived notion of what takes place in an NFL locker room, right? It's, it's the loud music. Maybe you're gambling. Maybe you're, you know, like you're just having this nonsense conversation. But I've heard so many just, you know, and the arguments on both sides, like, for instance, let me take this example. Um, back when I played, gay rights was a really big thing. And I'm not going to out anybody out or anything. Obviously, I'm not going to call anybody out. But there were some guys in some teams that I played on that, that weren't for it, okay, that, that, that didn't really agree um, with that. And we, I took part in it, but there was a lot of conversations that were had either in a locker room, in a cold tub, in a training room that had to relate on, you know, where people stood, you know, and people got their points across. And we did it, obviously, in a constructive way. Um, there was never really a fight that came out of it because keep in mind, you have a team that's made up of different types of people, different types of upbringings, different types of, you know, where they're from different parts of, of America. But at the end of the day, we have to go out there and practice for two hours a day. We have to go out there and, and try to win a Super Bowl. You know what I'm saying? So, like, at the end of the day, whether it's a fight on the field, you know, like a physical fight, or it's a disagreement about, you know, religion or disagreement about gay rights in the locker room, we had to put that all aside, you know, shake hands basically and say, all right, let's go back to work again. And that's what we always did. But you'd be surprised, I think, and people underestimate just, you know, how well-spoken, um, how articulate professional athletes can be in terms of, you know, social topics just like gay rights or, you know, obviously we're going through right now with social injustice and racial injustice. Yeah, and I, I guess how compelled, see, what I conversation is conversation. Uh, I think some people jump in the conversation just to be heard. Sure. And some people jump in the conversation to join the conversation, if that Absolutely. makes any sense. Yeah. Um, and uh, like, it is very interesting what you said. You told us in the first segment you joined uh, the protest in Jacksonville in Saturday, but did not really share about it. In fact, just to be honest with everybody, <laughs> I did not even know. The, I, I saw the tweet from Austin today, and he shared what it was like on yeah. Saturday, but I wasn't even quite sure at that time if that came from somebody else that you knew mm-hmm. that had shared that with you, yeah. or if you were just happened to be kind of on the outskirts of downtown, mm-hmm. maybe going to get something to eat or whatever, and witness some of these things. Mm-hmm. I didn't know until you just shared with it at the top mm-hmm. that uh, you were that involved for several hours on, mm-hmm. on Saturday, uh, joining in the peaceful protest uh, portion of it yeah. uh, in, in Jacksonville. So to me, that is somebody joining the conversation mm-hmm. But not to be heard during yeah, the conversation uh, because they believe in it and, and that's yeah. right. Mm-hmm. And I don't think everybody does that. I think right now you almost feel that times are we compelled to say something mm-hmm. because everybody else is doing it on Twitter or everything else. Well, yeah, yeah. my belief is always been if you don't have something to say that's meaningful, impactful, straight from whatever it is, like really strong belief, uh, I don't think, don't say something just to say something. Say yeah. something that, that because you believe it, make a difference, whatever it might be. Yeah. Um, and I do think we fall into that trap sometimes on a lot of different conversations, on a of lot course. of different topics, uh, whether it's social injustice or not. So my point being that's a roundabout way of saying, you know, we saw Carson Wentz come out, and mm-hmm. I think that was kind of a big moment, right? We see a lot of black athletes come out and say something. We've mm-hmm. seen that over times. And, yeah, we'll talk a little Colin Kaepernick later on, but 
when you see what Richard Sherman says, the white quarterback come out mm-hmm. and say something. Uh, I it I don't know if it speaks differently. I don't know if it says something louder, but it is a different voice. Yeah. And and I think sometimes, a, say even this, a white quarterback that uh, is making $125 million uh, uh, contract mm-hmm. might feel like there's a lot to lose by getting in the middle of any discussion, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And I'm going to say this, too. Um, uh, a tweet that I liked and one that really kind of blew me away a little bit was actually by Nick Foles. Nick Foles had, um, cause we, we know Nick Foles, man, right? And we know Nick Foles when stuff wasn't going well in Jack's mode, he had to say he was Mr. Positivity and everything. And, and that kind of rubbed people the wrong way, you know? And, and it's, it's no mistake that Nick Foles is a very religious person. And you know what? More power to him, man. Like, I mean, um, you know, I have to think he's a great guy who does for the community. Obviously, you know, his, his teammates really enjoyed playing with him here in Jacksonville for, this, for such a short time. But Nick Foles just basically said, you know, like, I mean, I'm a, I'm a man of faith. I'm a man of religion. But, you know, the Bible essentially teaches us to treat everybody well, you know, treat everybody with respect. And he said that, you know, in the kingdom of heaven, um, it's, it's open to all colors. So, like, that, that, that was kind of his way of, you know, I mean, he's staying true to what he believes in and his values, but he still made an attempt, yeah. you know, to, to try to rally people around um, that are super religious. So, you know, it answers the question, is there an obligation if you're an, an athlete, um, an NFL athlete or even a professional athlete, whether you're white or black, to use your platform? Is there an obligation um, to kind of state your case a little bit? It's funny because my friend actually I had this conversation with him last night. Now, he's not a professional athlete or anything, but he's like, listen, man, I'm white right now, and I'm feeling guilty where if I don't tweet something, if I don't Facebook something, people are going to be like, well, this guy doesn't care. And That's I, exactly the point. Yeah, and, and this is what I told him. And once again, this is just my opinion, but I get everyone shares a different kind of opinion. I know right now there's professional athletes out there that are just looking for the other athletes to be like, well, you're going to tweet something or not. I, I told my friend this. I'm like, hey, man, I think I know you, but are you racist? And he goes, no. And I go, do you think right now there's a injustice the way minorities being treated with the police department, you know, with police departments or anything like that? He's like, yeah. I'm like, well, there you go. That, that, that's a good start. I know who you are. You know, like, I think that even if you're a professional athlete, if you're just an everyday Joe on the street, if you put something out that's not genuine, then you're not helping the cause. You know, like, if your heart's in the right spot, I don't need you to go out there on Facebook and, and share everything. I don't need you to go on Facebook and, you know, type up this long-winded post if your heart's not in it. Now, if your heart's in it, awesome, man. Then you're helping the cause, and that's great. But I'm not going to fault those who just, you know, who don't want to do that. I mean, as long as your heart's in the right spot, that's all I can ask. So, um, I but I think people who are kind of on the fence about it, professional athletes the same if they're white or black, where it's like, well, I don't want to – you know, sound dumb. I don't want to come across as, man, I don't want to, you know, I don't want the, the public to perceive me as something that I want them to see. Well, if you're worried about the public thinking that you're dumb, then those people don't care about you anyways, man. You know what I'm saying? So is there an obligation for professional athletes right now um, to tweet something? Not if your heart's not into it. I, I think if your heart's into it and you're passionate about the cause, then absolutely. Um, but I also think that actions speak louder than words. Like when I saw NFL players help clean up in Atlanta, that's an action to me. Mm-hmm. You, you, don't, you don't have to say anything on Twitter. Absolutely. Okay? Because I saw you on CNN. I even saw you on Fox News. Okay? I watched Fox News this morning. They had him on Fox News. I saw you on Fox News. An NFL player on Fox News doing something great. What do you know, man? Like, it can work out, right? That's all you got to do right there. I don't, I don't got to hear a, a long-winded Twitter, uh, you know, post. I don't need to see you on Facebook, you know, on a live video. I saw you doing the work. So I think actions will always speak louder than words. 
But if you want to say something, by all means, then say something. I think uh, athletes can be so powerful here because kind of what Richard Sherman says, kind yeah. of what Carson Wentz is. Carson Wentz is a leader of a group of men, mm-hmm. and he does not look and, quite frankly, does not care if that receiver is black or white or that offensive lineman. They just want to go win. They have one common goal, right? Yeah. Go win. And so, yeah, it does it sound cliche. Is that real life? I'm not so sure. Mm-hmm. But I do know, like, those players, and not just that sport, by the way, uh, Major League Baseball is full of ethnicity, mm-hmm. from Asian players to Latino players to white players and black players. Mm-hmm. So I do think sports has this way. And I, I mean, listen, I was at a tournament for a tie this week. There's not one. I mean, it's black and white players. I mean, that's yeah. just what it is. That's what sports is. That's what mm-hmm. um, and, and has been again now for a while, not forever. I think that we have to say it, not forever, but it has been like that for a while. So if you live in that world, like we live in kind of in the sports world, you are a little bit sometimes like, what are we doing? Like, what is going on? Like, we're in a different bubble in that sense. Um, and and although although that's a little unfair, too, because people who might live in that bubble in the sports sense in a locker room or on a field mm-hmm. aren't necessarily living in that kind of bubble in their real life, in their homes, in their neighborhoods, mm-hmm. where they grew up, where their parents, their families, their kids are growing up. Mm-hmm. So uh, it's it's not like the bubble exists 24 hours a day. Yeah. Uh, so it's it's fascinating to me to see athletes get involved, and I think um, I think they need to be involved. Again, it's mm-hmm. got to be genuine. Yep. Uh, and and it doesn't take a superstar. I know oh. the voices and the platforms are bigger yeah. at the LeBron James level, the Michael Jordan level, the Carson Wentz level. I understand that, uh, but it doesn't take a superstar. Well, and at the and listen, and I get well, we're praising Carson Wentz. I'm praising Nick Foles because what are they? They're the white quarterbacks, right? And 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 their skin right now. I mean, you know, it's always this white and black thing. But I, I said this on Friday though. To me, it's not a white and black issue. It's just it's a right and wrong issue. And I think right now, Nick Foles, Carson Wentz. I mean, there's tons to name, but I think those guys right now are, are standing up for what they think is right. You know, and in doing that, I think they're being better teammates because obviously they share the locker room with a lot of black players, right? I think the black players are taking notice as well. So I get glorifying, you know, the white quarterback, like Richard Sherman was saying, because, I mean, it is new. Like, we haven't really seen a lot of this, and, and their voice carries a lot. But at the end of the day, it's either right or wrong. I don't think it's black or white. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I, very good point. And yeah. I'll have a little thought on that. I've been thinking a lot about what this all is this weekend from my perspective, you yeah. know, which is a totally different perspective. Uh, and something you just said kind of rings true through me uh, in a very simplistic way, even though it's kind of a complicated issue if you look back at the history of it. Um, do we break it down into a simplistic way? Uh, to that point, do the Jags need to do anything? Uh, do the Jags uh, have a responsibility, whether it's Shad Khan, whether it's Carter Mitch, you know, whether it's the organization in some way, shape, or form? We've seen Frank Reich say something. I think that was part of his normal uh, availability. I just saw Dabo Swinney. Uh, you know, what is the responsibility here in Jacksonville? We saw protests this weekend. You, you saw it up close. We haven't heard anything yet from the Jags. And to that degree, Peyton Thompson uh, with a tweet that, was very supportive of the Jags owner, but not necessarily the way things were done uh, a few years back in London when uh, Colin Kaepernick was leading taking a knee uh, in the NFL. We'll have those stories next on ESPN 690. Yeah, listen, as I said, we, we don't have the answers to this, but we can listen, and I'm sure there's going to be people say, why why are you three white guys talking about this? You have no idea. You're right. You're right. <laughs> we have no idea. None. But that doesn't mean we can't lend a voice, lend certainly at the very least an ear. 
to listen to what's been going on. Something that should we should have been we should be doing all the time is listening. God knows where we could be if there was more listening and working together in this world. But I, I, how can you not, as as we sit from thirty thousand feet away, understand at least look at it and say, man, I understand the frustration and the anger from minorities. That's Mike Golick, Golick and Wingo on ESPN 690, Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. until 10 a.m. Uh, Mike Golick talking about uh, the protests and the anger uh, in our country right now. And uh, it, it is definitely evident to over the weekend and kind of hit a new level over the weekend. And where does it go from here will be part of the conversation. Uh, and to spend a little bit more time on it here. And, and just a heads up, I want to talk a little bit about Gordon Minshew today, about Major League Baseball and their latest offer and where they stand. It's such a huge week for them mm-hmm. to get back to sport. What an opportunity for Major League Baseball, by the way, on a lot of different levels. Uh, so we'll talk about that in the four o'clock hour. And I've still got a lot of unanswered questions and, and, and thoughts about this subject that we've been on since the start of the show uh, that we will visit. Uh, we're, we're here until 6 o'clock. We're here all week. Um, th- this isn't a one-day conversation and forget about it, and I think that's a very important part of, uh, of what's going on. You know, a real quick thought from me on this. I really haven't given – I've listened a lot to what you said, and, and um, you know, you come from just a, a different vantage point. Mm-hmm. Um, and and uh, from that standpoint, blessed to have you on the show uh, to be able to – come from your vantage point and also uh, being a part of the protest on uh, Saturday and seeing that up close. So uh, Austin shared that experience mm-hmm. with us earlier in the show. And so all weekend I'm, I'm watching and I'm, I'm, you know, I spent a lot of time on Twitter, obviously, and I'm wa- and everything is about this on Twitter. Uh, and, and that's fine, too. So I'm just absorbing it, really just absorbing everything and and trying to kind of f- you figure out where you're at with it. And. You say, okay, uh, is, do I have anything eloquent to add? Do I have anything that's going to be meaningful to add? And it's really more to me like it's take a step back and, and say, where are we at? And I do think it's kind of complicated from the point of there's such an historic scar tissue to to everything between mm-hmm. uh, minorities uh, in, in the United States, and, and there should be that scar tissue, by the way. Mm-hmm. Not here to give you a history lesson. So I understand that. But I do this often in my life. Anyway, I try to simplify things, at least maybe because I'm just not that bright. But, I mean, I just try <laughs> to simplify things. And so what I kept coming back to uh, a lot is, you know, in our show, right? Think about it from our show perspective, sure. right? We we talk about Larry Bird or Michael Jordan. <laughs> Yeah. We talk about Gardner Minshew or Kyler Murray. Sure. Uh, we, by the way, those are white and black people, and that wasn't even part of why I was thinking that. <laughs> no, but, but yeah, uh, that, that's all that, good. That, that's not really where I'm going with this. Yeah, yeah. What I talk about, what we talk about debate, right? And, Correct. And so we ha- when what happens in debate? Well, you want to be right in debate. Yeah. You don't like so, to lose. You don't like to lose. Yeah. So you want to be me. right. I'm, I'm right? stubborn. Yeah. And, and so whatever sports topic we're talking about, whatever mm-hmm. topic, and, and take this to whatever part of life you're living if it's at the water cooler and you're talking about religion mm-hmm. or obviously in the last handful of years especially to eight years to whatever many years politics has extremely gone this way mm-hmm. that we want to be right as a society as a person in society on twitter on everything we want to be right and we want to let you know that we're right mm-hmm. and so what i i, I kind of came away with from the weekend after thinking about it like that in that context and watching everything and absorbing everything is like don't be right mm-hmm. how about if we just do right no. and, and it's so simple in that sense 
because if you really go back to the start of the last week and a half, doing right is not kneeling on someone's neck. Mm-hmm. White, black, minority, anything. But we're so caught up in being right in our beliefs and convictions or what we're taught or what we disagree with or, or what we think we know mm-hmm. that we forget about doing right. And and then it even spun back to almost everybody's – you mentioned your mom, right? Yeah. Everybody's mom or teacher or whatever, what do they always say? It's like, well, do to someone else how you would like to be treated. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, these are simple things. Yeah. They're really simple things from that standpoint. And I don't know if that's too simple for today's conversation, for this weekend's conversation. Mm-hmm. It might be. It might be very elementary. You might be like, Brent, come on, man. It's deeper than that. Mm-hmm. And you might be right. But if we started there with do right instead of be right. It's a damn good place to start. Then I think we're going to get to a more uh, positive of, of Ending, let's just say that, or at least living. Forget about ending. I mean, just positive living uh, in so many respects. So uh, that's really where I'm at it. And, and I don't, I'm not, I know nobody really asked, but I, I've just no, thought I mean, about I, it. I was, was going to ask you eventually, man. I was going to let you get off the hook because yeah. I wanted to hear what you had to say. And, and that's really it. I mean, I thought about a bunch this weekend. You know, I watched a lot of baseball games, also had a lot of time. And, and again, I'm on Twitter a lot and I'm seeing a lot. I really didn't watch a lot of the news coverage of it, mm-hmm. uh, but I'm more so kind of seeing and reading articles and, and watching videos and everything. And, and, and that's where um, I couldn't get by. So to that point, do the Jaguars here in town have a responsibility to do something yeah and 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 they're doing something say something do they well it's interesting right because tony khan um i think he put out the the black lives Lives matter Matter, you know um you know do they have should they do something you know like whether they yeah that's the question should they do something okay and listen from the business standpoint I had Brent. I mean, there's a reason why I talk on the sport. Uh, I talk on the radio, right? I mean, I was a journalism mass communications major. I tried uh, business for one semester, failed the first math class. Was like math 101. I'm like, oh, I'm done. I don't know business. I can't do math. So uh, here I am today. So when it comes to business, I have no idea about business. But what I do know is teams like obviously the Iceman, um, teams like the Jumbo Shrimp, the Giants that we had on Friday, and obviously probably the biggest team here in the city being the Jacksonville Jaguars. Um, they're part of the city. You know, I mean, they're like people of the city go watch those games on, on Sundays or whatever you know day those teams play. People get away from their life a little bit. They turn off their brains and they go watch football. They go watch hockey. Mm-hmm. They go watch basketball. Like that's that's the beauty of, of professional sports. You know, like you can just you can unwind. You spend your money and you go. And whether they win or lose, and sometimes they lose a lot. I, I get that, but like it's just. For three or four hours, you share camaraderie with other fans. You share the lead up of the tailgating. You go into the game and you just turn your brain off. You know, so it's a big part of the city. And you know, when we talk about the Jacksonville Jaguars here, a team that I was on, obviously, I think that you know maybe something should be said. I think if not something, you know, if not something that should be said, but maybe something an action could be done where you help around the community a little bit. If, if there is busted windows, like we saw a bunch of football players on on Sunday help out. Well, then go help out. And and maybe you don't make it a whole team thing, but you have some representatives of players that do that. Now, don't get me wrong. Maybe there's guys like me who didn't want to really be seen. Maybe mm-hmm. there's guys on the team that were out there with me. Maybe and, already and, have and, done. And, and I didn't even know. And maybe True. it has been done. You know what? Probably there are some guys, those guys. I like to hope that there's some of those guys um, in that locker room right now as we speak. So should the Jaguars say something? 
Listen, um, I think anytime you have a minority owner, that's rare in itself, right? And that's uh, one of the strongest voices that there is, especially a minority owner who came from nothing, who wasn't given anything, came from nothing. I think hearing his voice, obviously Tony Khan expressed his opinions, but hearing Shad Khan's voice would only help. Yeah, we're going to continue this conversation on the other side. We're going to hit the top of the break. More of this, and then we turn to Gardner Minshew behind his offseason a little bit and uh, ESPN the body in his future. Mm. Interesting. We'll see. It's coming up on ESPN 6-9. For the ones who know safety isn't a catchphrase, it's a culture. And the ones who help make sure everyone makes it home safe. For the safety-minded who watch everyone's backs, Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as safety assessments and training to keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.